And I'm Dave, the Bionic and Blogger. This is Amp, podcast for people with limb loss. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm fine, Peggy. How are you doing today? I, I am doing okay. I'm a little tired today. The flu has infected our house with gusto. So both kids are sick. So I'm a very tired mom right now from taking care of both of them. Yeah, that's a drag and a half. It really I'm is. I'm sorry. It really is. So one is one is doing better. Uh, the other one is still, the little one is still very sick, but we'll get him through it. But in the meantime, I'm sleep deprived and just very, very tired. So if I talk over myself, please forgive me today. Sure. Of course. We'll be very understanding. But dedicated to Amped, so I'm still here. Glad that you are. It's an honor to have you here as always. I'm sure. Do you want to introduce what we're going to talk about today? It's a fun topic. Uh, today's topic actually comes from a listener who wanted us to talk about how we answer kids' questions, uh, whether we are presenting to a class or I think she was referring to more to be like when you're in public and kids come up and, you know, that show kids say the darndest things when they kind of come up and just have no holds barred and start firing away questions. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't really know what to say, especially if you're a new amputee. So in this podcast, we're going to provide just some tips and, and how we deal with that. Yep. Um, and, um, I want to reiterate, it, it was cool to get a topic forwarded to us from a listener that uh, really, I think, resonated with both of us. And, um, you know, I, th- let's frame the issue sort of generally, I think, Peggy. And so, um, you know, kids generally in the world at large don't have a lot of exposure to people with limb loss or limb difference. Um, the most common reaction, anyone who knows who, who especially if you walk around in shorts with an uncovered prosthesis uh, in the summer, is that kids stare. If they know that you're an amputee, they can see your prosthesis, they stare, uh, which can be a little bit disconcerting. And then you have parents who, when they recognize that that's what their kids are doing, uh, they immediately divert them from looking at you and often um, sort of pull them violently away and say, stop staring, whisper it very loudly. And that's when it becomes awkward, in my opinion. Correct. Um, And importantly, once the parent does that, I think it has two effects, right? It it cuts off communication, uh, the potential for communication between us and the kid, because now the kid knows that we're um, not something to be looked at or, or related to. And the implicit lesson they take away from that is we're this sort of other, this weird, different thing that you don't look at, you don't talk to, you just pretend it's not there. Exactly. Um, so, um There are times, though, where despite all of that, we do have a chance to interact with kids. And so in this podcast, we're going to talk about, is there a right and wrong way to do that? Do we have an obligation to be nice when we do that? And how do you answer the question, what happened to you in an appropriate way? Exactly. And it really depends on the situation. So, And we'll go over that as as well. Uh, Going into, is there a right way and a wrong way? Obviously, kids can be very blunt. Um, or just sometimes they just blurt things out and it can be, um, you know, if I'm at the grocery store, sometimes I'm a little bit more engaging than, uh, if I am, you know, at the doctor's office with a sick kid and I have my attention somewhere else that I don't really feel like, you know, answering a ton of questions. So it really depends on the situation. Yep. The, the 
the actual circumstances you're in are going to dictate um, sort of how you respond to it at some level and, you know, how you're feeling that day. Um, you know, there are a lot of factors that influence the potential response. Um, and, you know, Dave, it never bothers me. It never bothers me when a child will come up to me and ask me about my leg or ask me what happened or ask me if it hurts. I, I am never bothered by those questions. What bothers me is when the parents overreact to it and either pull the kid away or I've been in situations where the child has actually been slapped for doing it really, really bothered me. Please don't, don't ever slap your child for talking to me. Just, just don't. I will talk to any child. Just please don't do that. Um, and then I, I've had one situation where a parent told the child uh, that they needed to be good or they would end up like me, and they pointed to my leg. That bothered me as well. <laughs> Other than that, you have, you have. <laughs> The, I don't – it must be the Virginia water because the stories you have about how people down there react to this is so different than what I've ever – I mean, it's so far beyond the pale of anything I've ever experienced in New York or anywhere else. I think else. it's the male-female fem- thing. I, I really yeah, believe you that. you might be right. Um, but, you know, with kids coming up to me asking me questions, it never bothers me. Sometimes – Sometimes I feel like it would be helpful if the parents would intervene after I've been kind of, you know, stuck in a conversation with little Billy for, you know, 15 minutes and my ice cream is melting and I really want to go, you know, do whatever I was doing and I can't get away from the sweet little cherub who keeps firing questions. Sometimes I feel like it might be beneficial if the parent would, you know, help me end the conversation. But other than that... I don't have any problem talking talking to yeah, kids. Yeah, I feel very much the same way. I mean, it's it's obviously normal for a kid, particularly a young kid who's old enough to understand that this is very different than what they've seen, but has no comprehension about anything behind it, to be inquisitive. And um, you know, I, I've always felt like to jump down a kid's throat for that um, really isn't fair to them, and it doesn't probably advance advance the cause of the limb loss limb difference community a whole lot to do that we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit but and you never know right you never know if that child is going to have a parent who someday is in an accident or if that child himself or herself might be in an accident or become sick and might become an amputee and the interactions that we have today that that really are just kind of the normal well this is prosthesis this is how i walk isn't it cool that that can really shape future experiences absolutely and um i mean i always when i was actually typing up the notes for this podcast peggy i was thinking about what is it that you know what are the types of things that i remember from when i was a kid and um we'll touch on this towards the end of the podcast in terms of um suggestions we have but i will tell you i mean i there are not a lot of things that I remember specifically, but the things that I do remember, I really remember, right? Like I remember a guy when I was probably in first grade bringing a golden eagle, a live golden eagle into school and explaining what this bird was. And I had never seen anything that big before uh, that was that could fly. And um, I remember him telling me you know, why it should be 
the why that really should be the the symbol for the United States and not the bald eagle, why the golden eagle was a more noble bird and why it was a better bird. And you know, not to not to try to draw a direct analogy, but seeing someone with limb loss if you're young and you've never seen anything like it before is something that is going to it's going to be sort of imprinted on you, I suspect, for a very long time. So the nature of that interaction, how the person uh, treats the child is going to go a long way towards shaping that kid's entire experience uh, with with people with disabilities. Absolutely. I mean, I you're talking about experiences as a child and my my mind immediately went to my second grade class where my teacher brought in a friend of hers who was blind and she brought in little braille alphabet cards and talked to us about how she could read with her fingertips. And uh, I was hooked. And that's actually what I ended up going to college for, was to teach blind kids. And it started with that interaction. So Correct. you really never know. Well, let me know. ask you this, Peggy. Is there, um, do you think there's a right and wrong way to respond to kids? I do. Um, so, and, and we have this in the, the show notes as well. When you put flipping and funny remarks, like, well, it was a shark attack. I don't say that kind of thing to kids. Um, mainly because I feel like it kind they had a legitimate question and they're looking for true information. They're not looking for a smart ass answer. I will use the, so my kind of go-to, for, for my peers, when somebody's really annoying or I really don't want to, well, I shouldn't, well, I have a completely, I have my own version of the quote unquote shark attack story, right? Where, where I come up with this long fanciful story of how I lost my leg and it can really enthrall people at bars to really keep the drinks going for a long time. That is not the version Probably that I use move. with kids. I try Probably to be very, a smart move. what's that? Probably. <laughs> it's a good story, though. And it's, it's a funny one. But it's, you know, I, I really want to give kids um, enough information so that they understand, and they appreciate differences. But I really don't want to leave them scared or intimidated, and fearful, fearful of talking to somebody who has a limb difference, or fearful that something bad will happen to them. Someday. Yeah, I think that that is the commonly expressed concern of people when they when they're thinking about it from the perspective of wanting to be a responsible adult <laughs> talking to a child um and when i was thinking about this topic peggy i was i was thinking about two things i was thinking cuz i think you and i actually are very similar in our worldview on this and our attitude about what that communication should probably be like and why um but I think we also have to recognize that there are people who, uh, because maybe where they are in their life as a person with them lost them difference, um, you know, you may have more or less tolerance for those discussions. They may make you feel really uncomfortable, um, even when it's a kid innocently asking the question. And I think it's really important um, probably to step away from the concepts of right and wrong here. A little bit and to say that's kind of um, an oversimplification. I don't think it's that binary. It's not yes or no, right or wrong. Um, I think what's really important, uh, who, you know, wherever you are in your life, regardless of sort of what your, your emotional reaction is, 
is to remember you get to choose the response to that question and you're in control. And in the show notes, I use the phrase, you are who you choose to be, which is a great phrase from uh, a movie that my kids and I watched growing up called The Iron Giant. And it's really an important concept, I think, when you're dealing with kids. You're in control of the situation, even if it doesn't feel like you're in control. And once you get to that point, I think you can think more clearly about, all right, what's the best way now for me personally to respond in a way that's comfortable for me while also, uh, you know, perhaps not being dismissive of or, um, you know, perhaps downright mean accidentally or otherwise to the kid who's asking the question. Exactly. And feel free to, to, um, communicate with the kid's parents too, if they are open to it. And if the child is starting to become too invasive with the questions, tell it was really nice talking to, to your child. I really have to get going. You can find more information online or, you know, I know that there are some groups around here that, that would be interested in talking to your child and then leave. You don't have to, you don't always have to be the great educator. And sometimes, Sometimes it becomes tiring. You know, if I go to an amusement park in short, sometimes I just want to be a mom and be there just with my kids. And sometimes it's near constant of the kids coming up, talking, talking, talking. And my kids start to get annoyed because they just want their mom. So it is okay at times yeah, I to agree. just shut it down. Or the questions will go on and on and on. I mean, there have been times where I've been at our local park and I've had more kids around me than have been around the swings and playing soccer because one starts talking. And then before you know it, I, I literally have a horde of children around me firing questions. Um, and, you know, at that point, the whole reason of going to the park has been usurped because I went there so my kid could play with other kids and now I'm, you know, the main attraction. And sometimes that becomes awkward as well. And yep. it's okay to step I, away when I think when it's completely appropriate. And, um, you know, this, this sort of goes to the next part of, of what I wanted to talk about, Peggy, which is, you know, do we have an obligation to be nice? And in my view, you know, you can do whatever you want. I don't. Th I don't think that there's a hard and fast rule here. I don't think you have to be nice if you don't want to be nice. However, I would just remind people that if you're curt with a kid who asks the question, if you're angry, that's going to shape how they view people with limb loss as a group. It's not going to be just you. It's going to be, you know, that that's very likely that that's going to become a generalization, particularly the younger the kid is, um, and it may even avoid. It may teach the kids to avoid people with limb loss, limb difference, which I don't think is necessarily what we as a community are looking for. And, you know, I, I really, I'm a big believer in, you know, what goes around comes around. And if we want acceptance from uh, people who don't have limb loss, limb difference to be treated equally, I think it's really tough to ask for that on the one hand and on the other to act in a way that really is uh, – somewhat mean-spirited in those interactions, particularly with children. I, I understand your point, Dave, on I think you're getting caught up on the obligation word. Okay. I in our family we we always choose to be kind. That's kind of our family motto. That's something that we live by. Um, so I would say it it 
takes as much energy to be nice as it does to be mean. And when a child is coming up to you, you know, I, I would caution to, I would recommend to be nice. Just it, it doesn't hurt to be kind. The world needs more kindness. Uh, it's, is it an obligation? No, it's not an obligation. Obviously, you don't have to smile at somebody. You don't have to say please yes, and thank you. Yes, we're in violent agreement. Sometimes it's the right thing to do. And quite honestly, if, if, if you don't want to invite conversations about your prosthesis, especially if you're a lower limb amputee who can wear pants and, and theoretically cover it up, then, then do that. Right. So if I, if I'm going to say prime example, the first day of school, whenever I walk my kids to school and the very first back to school nights and all of those firsts with new classrooms, I will always be in pants. And that is a purposeful decision because I don't want the attention on me. That's not a situation where I want all of the kids around me and hoarding around me. And for my kids, I want my child to be able to make their first impression, not for me to be their first impression. And I think that that goes to the topic of this podcast as well, that if if I was wearing shorts or a skirt and my prosthesis was visible, then I'm sure. inviting those sure. questions. That and that's a lot not of a sense. time that I want the I questions. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, Peggy, let, let's let's turn to some general suggestions about you know what happens when you do get asked the question. How, how should we be thinking about answering that? So you are going to be asked the question, right? It it is going to happen. So I I would recommend everybody come up with some answers that that you know by rote and have them divided by age group in your mind. How are you going to answer it to the the toddler and preschooler who needs minimal information and basically just wants to know that you're okay? How are you going to answer it to the elementary student who wants to know that you're okay and that it's not going to happen to them, theoretically, as opposed to the middle school and high school student who wants to know how your leg works and how could they build it and can they take it apart. And if you have those age groups in your mind and before you even get into those situations, know what your answers might be. It kind of takes away some yeah, of the I, I fully agree. And anxiety and, um, when it happens. I, I kind of learned this the hard way because when I first became an amputee and I got asked the question and I, I didn't know how to answer. And so I sort of felt like I was floundering and, and could feel uncomfortable while doing it. And <clears> – <throat> You know, as I as I thought about it more, the longer I've had limb loss, and become more familiar with the kinds of questions that are asked, being able to communicate that information really, I think in a in an easy to understand way that's not particularly terrifying, that doesn't necessarily lead to a fifteen minute discussion every time I do it, has become a lot easier. When I get asked, um, so what do you say? My general answer is, oh, I was, um, I got hit by a car. I was trying to help someone whose car was broken. And I went out into the middle of the road, which probably wasn't a great idea in the middle of the night. And I just got hit by a car. And, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's, it's unusual, but I shouldn't have been in the middle of the road. And I was trying to be helpful. And I ended up getting, you know, a, a new type of leg as a result of that. And, uh, the cool thing about it is I can still pretty much do everything that I did before. So it was a bad accident and um, 
I'm lucky to be here and I'm still able to do what I need to be able to do. So you kind of take well, the blame I think so that what, the child doesn't feel scared. I, I guess what's going on in my head as I think about it is no parent is ever going to yell at me for sort of <laughs> implicitly giving the message, don't run into the middle of the street to their kid. And so I'm leaning on what I assume is a natural right. inclination of all parents as a way to as a way to frame it. Um, and I am uh, – we've talked okay. about the whole hero thing. I I hate I, I really am uncomfortable with getting into discussions about whether or not it was noble for me to do what I did. It's just I made a decision. It didn't work out very well. Um, I would do it again if I had the choice, knowing what I knew then. But uh, you know, this is not Dave McGill, you know, who running into a burning building or, or or trying to save somebody in a really dire situation. Right? It was it was a car that was stranded in the middle of the road, and so. I guess I just got to that place because it seemed like the most balanced way to do it. Okay. No, I think you're right. No, it's I, I didn't take it as It's just interesting. It's just an um, observation. No judgment. So I, I tend to kind of put the blame on the doctor, right? So my answer to that question is usually um, – Either I had an accident or my, my foot was hurt and the doctors really tried to fix it. And when they realized that they couldn't, they decided that I would be better off if they just built me a new one. And it's called a prosthetic right. foot. And isn't it cool? I can do everything you can yeah. do, but which I, I think can is take great. mine off at night. Um, and notice we both get this to the same I, place at I the answer. end, which is about, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm really okay. And I'm able to do, Yeah. Because that's all they really want to know. And and you will know the personality of the child by their follow-up question. They'll get there, oh, that's cool. Or, oh, kind of like a robot. And then they let it go. Or you have the, the sweet little cherub who will pepper you with thousands yeah, of so questions. Yeah, so I have found that you know, when all you're trying to do kids, is at least kids who are 10 and under, I find that the general answers that you and I just gave, at least in my case, and again, maybe there's a gender difference, but uh, for me, most kids say, okay, and then they literally just run away. They're like, okay, I'm fine with that. I get it. No, man, I get peppered. I get, well, what's it look like? Can I see it? Can I feel it? Well, what happened to your old foot? Did they burn it up? Can you feel it? And then they start stomping. I mean, I get, it runs the gamut, but maybe it's because I have my kids with me too. But you have kids, so maybe I don't know. I want to know. I want the amped army, male and female, yeah, to let be, us know. It would know be interesting to, to get a, some feedback if this is on a gender that. Difference. I, I have also found Peggy. I mean, I tried it. The, the younger the kid, the more general my response. Do you do the same thing? Oh, absolutely. And I try to just keep it very, um, you know, I had an accident. They built me a new one. It's great. Isn't it cool? Have a great day. You know, um, because I, they don't want more information. Yeah. They want and to I know why you're also, different. You know, and the are more you comfortable okay? you Does are just sort of projecting confidence and comfort with yourself, the more reassured they get. And 
you know, this sort of goes back to the, are you obligated to be nice question again? Is it my job to make them feel reassured? That's really not my job. It's their parents' job to, to do that with them. But I, I will say that sort of being relaxed and not visibly amped up about it um, does, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was, I didn't even think about it. Um but, you know, projecting a certain level of calmness and yeah. comfort with what you are, who you are, I think really also goes a long way towards uh, the kid not viewing this as some disaster that is likely to befall them. Exactly. I mean, you want to be, but you also want to to project enough confidence that if something does happen to them or to somebody that they know, they may remember this interaction. So how they react in the future might really depend upon now. And you never know, you never, you know, and you know, it's not our job because we're not their parent, but I do go back to the, you know, it really does take a village and, you know, how we choose to interact with kids today who have questions about limb loss really it it does lay the foundation for how the future generation is going to perceive individuals with disabilities and we owe it in my opinion to, I, to everybody I really agree else with that. i'm not going to to, beat, to show beat kindness that horse into and the ground, to, but to educate I f- agree 100% with you But we don't have to, you don't have to give your life story. You know, you don't have to go into the gory details. You don't have to go into deep feelings. And it's okay to say, I really enjoyed talking with you. You have some really great questions. You should look into this some more, but I really have to go. And then you can leave. You don't have to stay there and talk to the child for an hour. Because it can be awkward to get out of it. Um and again, I don't know if that's just the kids. Well, just let's talk. Me, let's talk for just a few minutes. I tend minutes to always find about the, the more specific ones. suggestions depending on the type of limb loss or limb difference that you have. So, um, do you want to take illness? So you want to be able to sure you consider the age and the ability for the child to comprehend the terms that you use. You don't want to be throwing out a lot of disease terms and a lot of different medical procedures and things because that's not what the child really wants to know. Again, they want to know, think broad terms. What happened? Are you okay? What are you using? How do you get around? And remember that, that, you know, these, these kids really don't interact with people with limb loss, limb difference like we do, right? So, I, you know, my, my social circle is filled with people who, who are amputees. And this is, you know, second world for me and or, you know, second nature. My kids, you know, know lots of, of kids with limb loss just because of, of who I hang around with. But that's not the norm. And try to keep in mind that this really is not the norm for kids. So there is a natural curiosity. And younger kids especially just want to yeah, know, and, are you and okay? To extend Does that last hurt? point a little bit is this further, something Peggy, I need to worry is it something about? I need to worry about because is it going to happen to me? And that's why I think one of the tricky things about talking about illness 
Um, so if you've lost your leg to cancer or to diabetes, just as examples, and you say to the kid, I, you know, I had cancer and I lost my leg, the, a young kid will very logically, then their next question may very well be, oh, is that going to happen to me? Can I get that sickness? And so, you know, just, just think about the level of specificity you go into, uh, because I think where especially younger kids go with this is they're trying to figure out, is this something, if it happened to that person, could it happen to me also? And the more, the, the more technical you are with your answers, uh, the more they're going to sort of feel overwhelmed and unable to process it and probably be more fearful. If you, yeah, what a exactly, yeah. So trauma, I, I so what about I mean, trauma? two very so simple points. What is to trauma. really so important? I think in most instances to stay high level on the details. Um, you don't need to go into blow by blow of what happened to you, um, and you know one reason for that is you have no obligation. <laughs> on your part to be forced to relive the trauma of what happened to you. And I, I've always, you know, I know what happened to me anecdotally. I don't remember my accident. Um, but I would never tell a kid exactly what happened to me, even though I know it, uh, because it's entirely unnecessary for them to really get that level of detail about my accident because it's horrific. And you know, I've met, I, I've had a lot of different experiences with a lot of different people talking about this. Um, and, and I think I shared with you, Peggy, you know, a friend of mine who, who I met in the last few years um, had, had lost a limb and I asked her how and visibly immediately got uh, upset and said, I can't talk about it. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't go back there. Um, and, you know, if if it's that if your experience with limb loss if the memory is that visceral um i just again want to emphasize and i felt awful because now i felt like i had put her in the position to be forced to relive it and that's not what i was trying to do um but similarly a kid without any agenda uh, may may unwittingly put you in that position and you should be very comfortable setting a boundary Absolutely. And and it also helps if you know your script ahead of time. We talked before in an earlier podcast about knowing how to tell your story. I think this is just another avenue. I agree. On how about limb difference? Prepared, your congenital limb difference. Say it and then get out of the situation if you don't want to talk. Um, yeah, and I, would just I, say I feel keep the same simple. way, and obviously and neither just, of us have congenital you know, limb difference, and so we're speaking for a community that we're not qualified to speak to. But I will say, the reason, Peggy, I think that we're both going to that place is, again, I'm thinking about this from the framework of what is the way to reassure the kid? And any kid who understands that this happened you know, before the person was even born um, and that therefore it can't happen to them. I don't think you have to get into a whole lot of detail and explain what that really means. I think you can just say I was born this way and I have this great prosthesis that allows me to do everything I need to be able to do. And they're going to know as you walk through that, that, okay, this isn't something that's going to happen to me now because I've already been born. Exactly. Exactly. And it also, 
you know, goes to the, the line of people are born in all different ways. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the but if any of these, are, are uh, you know, obviously shapes, there's only one of sizes, these three general just, categories that Peggy and I is. can speak to from direct experience. Uh, if anyone on either the, the disease cause of amputation or the congenital cause of limb difference has strongly different opinions about this, please weigh in. You can uh, let us know at uh, www.ampedpod.com. Um, in the contact us section, or you can certainly reach out to us via all of our different social media outlets. And we'd love to hear from you if you think that we're off base. Absolutely. And let us know about the gender, the gender differences. Do you have kids who pepper you with questions or is it one and done? Uh, Dave, I do want to, before we sign off, I do want to remind people that if you're going into a classroom or a Cub Scout meeting or, you know, meeting with with civic groups or whatever, that we do have kids coloring pages. Um, and it's a, fun it's a fun resource. And it's downloadable for free on our website, ampedpod.com. Um, you can print them out. You can email them to teachers or to scout leaders. And it's just a fun way for kids yeah. to, to and talk about And we about encourage everyone to go and check those pages out. And, Peggy, and uh, very early on when we started this website, friendly. this was one of her original ideas for a resource we could have that we thought was really unique. And we've got some great pictures for kids who are, you know, especially in elementary school to be able to print out color, have some fun with. And it really normalizes and, and makes limb loss uh, something that is just as cool as any other picture that they would color in. One other bonus tip, Peggy, that I also think we should close with before we do the summary. Um, remember, the specifics of what you say in the end are probably less important than how you say it. It's the totality of the interaction that matters here, not just the specific words. And I think this goes back to the the mantra that Peggy and I both talked about earlier in the podcast, we were talking about being kind. And if you're kind, even if it doesn't come out of your mouth the right way, if you're well-intentioned and you're kind, it's going to be a positive interaction. And I think we need more of those interactions today in the United States because there aren't enough of them. So do you want to wrap it up, Peggy? Absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Sure. Uh, some key takeaways is you are going to be asked if your prosthesis is visible or your limb loss or limb difference is noticeable, you are going to be asked by a kid at some point. So it's very helpful to have your responses in a script so you know what you're going to say before you're asked. It, it helps you stay in control of the situation a little bit. For the younger kid, less is more. You don't have to go into all of the details. They really just want to know generally what happened, what's that, are you okay? How you act and how you pro project yourself is going to be the huge influence on the kid. Right. So if you if you are confident and if you're secure and if you're like, hey, you know, it really did stink, but I'm doing fine now versus it was the worst thing in my life. My life is over that that's that's going to be the the 
the perception that the child has. So think about that. How you portray yourself and what you say is going to make a difference on this child. And don't get hung up on the exact words of what you're saying. That it, as Dave said, it really is the totality of the entire exchange. It's, it's your body language. It's, did you smile? It's, how did you, how did you frame what happened? Was, did you portray limb loss as this is the worst thing in the world? If you ever lose a limb, your life is over just yeah. like mine or, Excellent. yeah, it happened. I think we covered and, it all, Peggy. Yeah, it did kind of suck, but you know what? I'm doing fine well, now. And I'm I- Hope you have a good week this week. All right. As do I. As do I. That would be good. I hope so too. And there's one other thing that would be almost as good as that, Peggy. Do you know what that is? No. (laughs) Patriots winning the Super Bowl next week. Yes. Uh, Next podcast will be post Super Bowl. We'll have a full recap. Oh, you see, I'm not even there yet. I know. I will be, though. I will be. You know, uh, so we've had this ongoing oh, debate behind the scenes at that's AMP right. about- That's right. And what Dave will the, be singing Hot Potato from the Wiggles, what should right? The, what should the bet be? And so Peggy keeps coming up with bets where there's literally no downside for her. It's only downside for me. And I'm like, these, are, these sound fantastic if you're you. They don't sound very good if you're me. <laughs> No, we we did have one. We did have one mutual acquaintance have a right. very good suggestion. Well, you haven't come up with anything. No, I'm not going to come up. With I can't anything disclose it you. because if we disclosed it here, then it, then if we choose that one, it'll become very obvious. But um, well, it's a good one. I'll circle back to you on that offline. All right. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> can't wait. Please do. All right, we'll get we'll too, follow Peggy, our care. Twitter feeds, and you can you can watch everything unfold. All right, have a good one. <laughs>